says word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. And I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. And Father, I thank you for your word. And I thank you, Lord God, that you will use your word this morning to touch our lives, change our thoughts, help us to become better than we were before. Wear me like a glove, Lord God. Let you be the substance of everything that's said and done. We promise to give you the glory in Jesus' name. And everyone say, Amen. Amen. Grab your seats with me and open your Bibles to the book of Mark chapter 2. The book of Mark chapter 2. Um, I'm pretty excited about the word this morning because I really believe that God wants to challenge some of us in this house and I think it's going to be a good challenge. I think it's going to be a blessing to you and I just know that God wants to do some great things. Amen. Mark chapter 2 and we're going to read at verse 13. Mark 2, 2 verse 13. And uh, it says, Then he, meaning Jesus, went out again by the sea. And all the multitude came to him, and he taught them. Verse 14 says, As he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, Follow me. So he arose and followed him. Uh, last week, we... Um, we started a series. I'm turning it into a series now. Pastor Sarah, <laughs> Pastor Sarah had a message called Life Interrupted. Anybody remember that? Life a Powerful message. Powerful message. And, uh, and so she spoke about Jesus and how Jesus' life was continually interrupted. In fact, she said it was like the, the scripture was almost like a reality TV show of one day in the life of. And it was one day in the life of Jesus. And we saw how interrupted he was. And how over and over again he would be meeting the needs of people. And his disciples were trying to keep up with him. And he kept, just kept moving. But as much as Jesus' life was interrupted, equally true is that Jesus interrupted people's lives. Um, you know, there was a funeral. The guy stopped the funeral and raised somebody from the dead. No more funeral. What happened to all those plans? I have to all that money that they just paid to the, you know, to the, to the funeral home. All that, that's gone down the drain because now the person's alive. Or he, he, uh, you remember he talked to this short guy in a tree. Hey, I'm coming to your house for dinner. What's that? He's interrupting people's lives all the time. Woman came out just to try and get some water to drink. Long conversation. Jesus interrupted people too. And there is no greater interruption probably than the time that he interrupted this guy named Levi. Levi is another uh, name for Matthew. Matthew. So he interrupted Matthew. Matthew was, an, you know, he was a tax collector. And Jesus interrupts his daily life and turns his life around. <laughs> the thing is that we don't really appreciate how much this really means until we understand the culture of the Jews in that first century. In the first century uh, Judaism, Jesus was a place from a place called Galilee. And in Galilee, um, just like many of the other towns, they were really focused on the Word of God as the only form of education for their children. 
So at about five years old, six years old, a child from in, in that time, a child would start going into the synagogue to start learning the Torah. Uh, the Torah are the first five books of, of the Bible. It's, it's where Moses received the word of God and he wrote the first five books of the Bible. And these children would go into the, into the, um, into the tabernacle, um, sorry, not the tabernacle, the synagogue, and they would learn from a rabbi. A rabbi would teach them how it is that the Torah was written and they would teach them every single word of the Torah. This, was, this level of education was called Beth Sefer. And at Beth Sefer, between the ages of 5 and 10 years old, you would learn and study and memorize Scripture. So much so that by the time you were 10, you knew word for word every verse of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That's crazy, right? You're thinking, I wish my 10-year-old would just learn one scripture. (laughs) But here's what I thought this morning. This is why I was thinking about this. I thought, you know what? If they know Miley and they know Macklemore, they can know Moses. I'm just saying. And some of you be like, Mackerel what? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You don't even need to know. You don't even need to know. At 10 years old, here's what would happen. The best of the best of that group would then go on to the next level of education. They would move on up in the ranks and they would go to Beth Talmud. Now, Beth Talmud was for children 10 through 14 who had mastered, already mastered Beth Sefer. So what would happen is this. If you didn't master it, you would start to work in your father's trade and you would start to learn. You become an apprentice of your parents, whether they were farmers or fishermen or carpenters or whatever they did. You would start to learn their trade. And as, as somebody was in Beth Talmud, they would be studying the rest of the scriptures from Joshua all the way to Malachi. And they would be learning the oral traditions as well as working with their father. So they were kind of like bivocational. They would be studying in the day and they would be working at night. It was kind of like that. But they would learn and grow. And they would also understand the oral traditions. They would also understand what it was that the, the rabbi, the big rabbinic sayings. And they would study and they would study and they would study. Until about 14 years old. At 14 years old, they would be able... To quote any verse from Genesis through Malachi, word for word. But only the best of the best of the best would move on to the next level. Very, 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 very few would actually move from that level. And the next level is called Beth Midrash. And Beth Midrash was a place given to such a select few that those select few would have the opportunity to approach a rabbi and ask if he could be that rabbi's disciple. In other words, here's what would happen. And during Beth Midrash, uh, all these few that were left would start to apply, as it were, to the Ivy League called rabbi. And they would come up to a rabbi and they'd say, Rabbi, I will follow you. Or they'd say, Rabbi, can I be your disciple? And the rabbi would question them. The rabbi would say, okay, let me ask you, sir, how many times does the word well uh, show up in the book of Genesis? 
And they would have to go boom, 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 boom. It's a, they, they would speak to each other in funny language. Like the, the rabbi would say a verse, but he really meant the verse before the verse after. And then the student would have to answer him with a verse, but really meant the verse before the verse after. Very strange. But the point was this, that they would speak in a language that would cause them to know whether this guy was good enough. And becoming a disciple meant this. It meant this, that the rabbi had to know whether this young man, because usually it was reserved just for boys at that point, but this young man was able, watch this, to become like the rabbi and to do what the rabbi does. So the rabbi is looking for people who will have the potential to become just like them or do what he does. Are you tracking with me so far? And so the young man would come up and he would say that and the rabbi would question him, question him. And if he wasn't good enough, the rabbi would say to him, I can see that you love God. I see that you love Torah. But you need to go and ply your father's trade. And so getting to this level is no guarantee that you're actually in with a rabbi. But if the rabbi found that this young man was able and he's good and this one could represent me and this one could become like me and this one could actually make more just like me, then he would say, come, follow me. And the young man would leave their father, their mother, their home, their synagogue, wherever. They, they would leave their friends. And they would go anywhere the rabbi went so that they could become just like the rabbi and do everything the rabbi does. It's awesome. It's awesome when you think about it because here comes this new rabbi into town. And he's walking down the beach one day and he sees some guys fishing. Peter and Andrew, and he says to them, come, follow me. Well, here's the thing. The only reason Peter and Andrew are fishing is because they didn't make the cut. The only reason they're fishing is because they weren't good enough. They weren't the top of the class. They weren't one of the guys in the Beth Midrash. They didn't reach. They didn't attain. They weren't there. They were plying their father's trade and so when jesus comes and he says come come on follow me they immediately left there why because they just got accepted into you watching this Then he goes a little further and he sees Andrew, uh, um, James, and John. And they are fishing with their father, Zebedee. And he says, come, follow me. And guess what? James and John didn't make it either. They weren't good enough for other rabbis. They weren't recommended. They didn't make the cuts. They were like the JV team. And he says, come, follow me. And their father doesn't stand in the background going, you worthless kids, what are you doing leaving me? No, guess what? The father was what? He was proud. This is like, oh my gosh, my kids got chosen to become like Jesus and to do what Jesus... Here's the big thing. Jesus was saying to them, 
I believe you can be just like I believe you can be just like me, and I believe you can do what I do. Now, that's really, that's really, that's really awesome. That's really awesome. But, but here, here's where it gets even more, 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 more awesome. Here's, here's where it gets more awesome. Because he moves from there, and he's doing a lot of miracles. And then, you know, they're getting really excited because they're seeing all these miracles. And they're thinking, hey, I can do what he can do. Right? Because that's what he's doing. Hey, you know, if I see my rabbi do it, then I can do it too. And so they're following him. And then one day he walks by this guy, and he is a tax collector. No, the bad thing about it is this, that tax collectors are really not the best of the best. In fact, a tax collector is somebody who didn't make the cut, who wasn't good enough, who never... But not only that, he disobeyed the rabbi's instructions, and he didn't ply his father's trade. He sold out to Rome. And he decided, because there was more money in tax collecting, I would rather do that than do an honorable job like my father. It's when Jesus was telling this parable about the Pharisee. He said a Pharisee walked into the temple to pray. And he was trying to find who is the worst person that I could say was praying alongside with the Pharisee. You know who he chose? tax collector he said and there was a tax collector there and everybody there knew oh boy here's the righteous one and the unrighteous one because no matter how badly you sinned in israel you could say this with such a big heart at least i'm not a tax collector (laughs) tax collectors only had two kinds of friends tax collectors and sinners that was it Matthew threw a party for Jesus, and you know who turned up? Tax collectors. That was it. So when Jesus is passing by, and he sees Matthew, and he turns to Matthew, and he says, follow me. You can hear the groans of Peter in the background. Oh, no. Not him. Don't you know who he is? Because Matthew... Of anybody that was called, Matthew felt the least deserving of them all. He felt the least deserving of them all. So when he called Matthew, of course he left everything. (laughs) Of course he left everything. Because of all the people that Jesus interrupted, there was one person who never thought that anybody ever in life would ever look on them and see them as valuable. And here was the rabbi saying, I see in you someone who could be just like me and do what I do. It reminds me of what Brother Greg said this morning. I've heard for years when I was uh, just saved. It says, Jesus doesn't call the qualified He qualifies the called. Amen. Say that with me. Jesus doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Like Matthew, Jesus is interrupting some of us right now in this room this morning. And he's calling us to serve in this house. To be like him and to do what he does. He's interrupting you with an unexpected invitation. And your main excuse is, I'm not qualified. And you don't say those words, but you say something like, well, I haven't been here long enough. Or you you, you say things like, I just got saved. I just became a member. 
You say things like, I don't know anybody. And um, how about this one? Well, they don't look like they need anybody. They look like they have things together. Or, uh, well, I tried once and nobody called me back. Come on. Oh, my Lord. I like that one too. Because that that, that's the exciting one right there. We see we got, we got some things mixed up because you think that when you serve in this house it's because we need people to serve. You have to understand that you need to serve because of what it will do for you. You need to serve because of what it will do for you. I remember the first time. I, I used to feel that way. I used to feel that way. I, I went to a, a youth group and um, I was like the biggest sinner in the youth group. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And, um, and I got saved and I was going there for a couple of months and then there's this girl. Her name is Annie. And Annie used to help uh, Pastor Andrew. And so Annie approached me one day, one Friday night after our youth group. It was on a Friday night. And she said, hey, che, I'd like you to um, pray, open in prayer next week. And I said, what? She said, yeah, I'd like you to open in prayer next week for our youth group. I said, oh, 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 okay, you sure? She said, yes. And so I went home and I practiced a prayer. I'm telling you something, it was about 30 seconds long. But for the whole week, I practiced this prayer every single day for seven days. And when I went on that stage... I hit that prayer out of the park. I mean, you would have been proud of me. I was so good at the prayer. I came off the stage. I was like, oh, thank God, I'm done. 30 seconds. (laughs) But you know what? It set me up for the trajectory of my life. It put me in place for where God was taking me. A lot of times, we are looking at our ability when God is looking at our availability. God doesn't need your ability. He can put abilities in you if He wants. But what He does want is your availability in order for Him to stretch and grow you to who He wants you to become. Because He still believes you can be just like and do what He... All right, there you go. And so if you're thinking that way this morning, if, if you have any reservations about serving, I want to tell you three things that you need to know. Number one, you don't need to be like Jesus to serve, but you have to serve to be like Jesus. I'll say that again. You don't need to be like Jesus to serve, but you have to serve to be like Jesus. Here's a song in Jamaica we used to sing growing up. It said, read your Bible pray every day. You guys sing that song? Read your Bible, pray every day, and you will grow, grow, grow. That's a real cool, cute song to teach the children. Read your Bible. Some of us don't even do that. But anyway, we're not going to talk about that this morning. What I'm saying is this. There is more to growing than reading your Bible and praying. You're right. You got to serve. You have to serve others because you'll never become like Jesus until you choose to serve. Um, you know what? Jesus was talking to his disciples one day. They were arguing about who was the greatest and who would, you know, kind of be up there and who's the best and all this kind of stuff. And then in Matthew 20, verse 24, I'm going to put it up on the screen real quick because I want you to see how Jesus responds to this whole thing about serving and, and what it has to do. Matthew 20, verse 24. And here's what Jesus said. Jesus called them unto him and said, You know that the princes of, this, of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon, upon them. Verse 26. 
But, but it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your... That says minister. You know what? New King James says servant. Let him be your servant. Let him be your... What? Servant. And then here's the next word. I know we don't like this one. Verse 27. And whosoever shall be chief among you, let him be... Well, the other one says slave. So maybe this is the better version right here. Let him be your servant. So watch this. Look at this. Verse 28. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, or came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus' main focus, main goal, the main thing about Jesus was that he came to serve others. And there is no way you can be like your rabbi if you don't serve. You cannot be like your rabbi if you don't serve. If you think about scripture, throughout scripture, every leader that God established was called a servant. God never said, hey, my leader Moses. He said, my servant Moses, uh, my servant Joshua, my servant David. Even when the Paul and the writers of the New Testament wrote, all of them wrote and opened their letters with this. Uh, I, Paul, a servant. Uh, I, John, a servant. I, Peter, a servant. I, Jude, a servant. All of them knew that the greatest call in life was servanthood. More than anything else, make me a servant. Philippians 2 talks about Jesus and it says, Philippians 2 verse 5, it says, Let this mind or this attitude, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ. Verse 6. Look at this. It says, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. And then look what it says. But made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men. Jesus is the attitude that Jesus have, had was that even though he had position in life, he came in the form of servanthood. It doesn't matter what title you have. What position you hold at work, how many degrees you have, how many letters you have behind your name. What he is saying is this, all of that is nothing to be held on to because the greater call is to be a servant to unto others. That's how you become like your rabbi. Here's, here's the second thing. Uh, the first thing was, uh, you don't have to be like Jesus to serve. You have to serve to be like Jesus. Here's the other thing. God doesn't need you to serve for His benefit. <laughs> he needs you to serve for your benefit. <laughs> yeah, sometimes we think, man, oh, the church just wants my time. No, you need to give your time for you. This, is a, this isn't about word of truth needing help. This is about word of truth giving you the opportunity so that you can help you. You know, Pastor Keith Kraft, when he was here, he said, uh, your destiny is connected to God's house. I like that. Your destiny is connected to God's house. Matthew could have ignored the interruption that Jesus had. He could have said, you know what, don't worry about it. He could have said like the other guy, let me go and bury my father first. You remember that? Because he wasn't the only one that Jesus called. I mean, one guy Jesus called, the guy said, hey, I need to go get married first. Oh, y'all not hearing me this morning. He could have ignored the call and he would have gone down in history as an unknown tax collector. 
Instead, he accepted the call to serve alongside his rabbi, and he became known as one of the four writers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh my word, look at that. Because he said yes, he discovered his purpose. Because he said yes, he discovered his destiny. Because he said yes, he moved in a direction that God had for him. You see, your purpose, the discovery of your purpose begins when you start to serve in God's house. And that's why I have no reservation asking people to serve. None whatsoever. You know why? Because most people spend five to six days of their week doing things that they're not called to, have no purpose in, and do not find fulfilling. And I have the opportunity to give them a chance to do something once a week that will be fulfilling, will be purposeful, will change lives, will do so much for them. Why am I going to deny them that? Why would I deny somebody that? When I ask people to serve, I don't beg. I don't even tell them that I have a need. I never tell people who have a need. You know what I tell them? I have an opportunity for you. (laughs) And, And that's not sales talk. I'm saying that most people have an issue with their regular life. And God has a purpose right here in the house of God. And a lot of times we deny them the opportunity by thinking, oh, they're too busy. Oh, they're do this. Oh, listen, if you find it a hassle, then you think everybody else has a hassle. I find it joyful right here. Serving is joyful for me. And I want others to experience the same joy that I have. Can somebody say amen? So here's the thing, I, I, I want to I tell you this, you know, if, if you somehow have seen people, if you've gone up to a, a ministry and said, hey, can I help? And somebody said, well, we don't really need you right now. By the way, if you're a ministry leader, that is the cardinal sin right there of, of any kind of, you know, I'm just telling you, never turn anybody away. Never turn anybody away. Say that with me. Because it's not about how many people you need. It's about how many can you mobilize. It's about how many opportunities can you give for them to fulfill their purpose. It's not about your ministry. It's about their life. They are not there to build your ministry. Your ministry is there to build their life. Oh, come on. You have to hear me this morning. I don't care if it means, hey, just shadow that person. Oh, just, you know, it doesn't matter. Find something for everybody to do because their lives depend on it. Their rabbi wants them to become like him. And so if you somehow got that kind of response and you said, oh, they don't need me to serve. Listen, you need to push past that because you need you to serve so that you can get what God has for you. Don't let anybody prevent you from getting what God has for you. Don't get turned off because somebody said something. No, you say, you know what? My rabbi serves. I'm going to serve. I'm going to serve. Listen, I got baptized after two times of trying because they didn't have enough water in the... Not because I was sinful. That's not why. I'm just saying... I just say there was a water pressure problem and our church was kind of on a hill and it wouldn't fill up the tank. Do you think I said, oh, well, maybe I don't, I don't want to get baptized anymore? No, Jesus got baptized, so I'm going to get, come on, my rabbi did it, so guess what? I'm going to do it too. Don't let people stop you from serving. You've got to push through. 
If you're a dream team member here, I want to tell you this. It's your responsibility to give as many people as possible the same opportunities you've been blessed with. I'm telling you, if you are a dream team, I was a dream team member, it's a volunteer. If you volunteer here at Word of Truth, you've got to recognize, hold on, first of all, many of you know that you've even grown up on your job, even got promotions because of some of the stuff you've learned as a volunteer here at Word of Truth. Come on, some of you have gotten increases because you've learned how to do some things. You've learned teamwork and you've learned how to manage people and you've learned how to talk to people. You've learned how to, and you have seen that manifested on your job. Why wouldn't you want to do that for somebody else? <laughs> many, of you too, many of you have even met your business partners right here. Some of your business have grown and flourished because of somebody you've connected with. Many of you have met some other kind of partners, but we won't talk about them. Your destiny is in this house, and you need to help others discover their destiny too. So give them a chance. Give them an opportunity. Not only that, go beyond yourself and say, hey brother, are you serving? Man, I have a great ministry for you to serve in. Come meet me here next week because we're going to work together. I'll tell you, tell you a little story. I, I bought a car this week. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Bought a car this week. I'll tell you a story about the car. So uh, two weeks ago, uh, my mother-in-law and my son were driving in the car, and uh, they got into an accident. And um, I want to show you what the car looked like after the accident. How many of you know that only God made that timing so that it didn't hurt anybody in the car? I mean, that's, that's really close right there. So, so that, that was the result of the car. So the car was totally just, you know, it written off. Well, about a year ago, maybe not that long ago, um, a gentleman uh, approached Pastor Evan, a pastor, and said he wanted some help in terms of his church. Now, there's, one of my passions is helping pastors. I love helping pastors, and I love helping them strategize and figure out how best to um, effectively have their church grow. And so I was speaking with this pastor, and, and I've been serving this guy for, for a while. For uh, no money, there's no, you know, this is all just us just expanding the kingdom of God, just loving people. There's so much that we give as a church to other churches. It is incredible. We give them, and, and free, we don't charge anybody for anything. We give them our true group stuff. We give them our membership stuff. We give them all sorts of things, absolutely free. And so this guy's been coming, 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 coming. Anyway, um, I got in this car accident. We're about to go and buy a car. And I said, hey, I remember that this guy works at a car dealership, but for high-end cars, like high high-end cars. You know what I mean? So, so I text him and say, hey, man, I know this is kind of out of your league, <laughs> right? But, um, hey, do you know anybody who deals with cars on this level? This man said, hey, guess what? My worship leader does. So really? Okay. His worship leader is the regional manager of this big car firm thing. I mean, regional manager kind of status. Well, man, Friday, this regional manager picks me up, takes me to this place, Gets me the regional manager discount. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> Man, sets me up. I end up, watch this, with a brand new car, 2014, brand new car with the same payments I was paying on this car.
He said, Pastor, what does that have to do with serving? <laughs> because, watch, watch this, watch this. I was serving him with no ulterior motives, nothing trying, nothing in return. I wasn't doing it for me. I was doing it for him because this is a passion of mine. I was a serving him. And he turned around. And every time I said to him, hey, thank you so much. You know what he said? Thank you for giving me the opportunity to serve you. My gosh. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to serve you. You never know who God has waiting for you when you start to serve. You never know. Here's the last thing I need you to keep in your head. You don't need to serve because you believe in Jesus. You need to serve because Jesus believes. Come on now. He would have never chosen you if he didn't think you couldn't do what he does and be who he is. He would have never chosen you. But he chose you. And he says, you know what? Where you started may have been rough. You know, 1 Corinthians 1 verse uh, 26 says this. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise, praise the Lord, that was me. Not many wise, according to the flesh. Not many mighty, not many noble are called. Look at this next verse. Look who's it. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the mighty. Verse 28. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. He chose some of us that were unqualified. Oh, thank you, Jesus. So here's the question. Do you believe in you? And if you don't, then who's right? You or Jesus? Hmm. Matthew was the least qualified of people. He was interrupted by Jesus and given an unexpected invitation to become a disciple by serving along with his rabbi. And he said yes. And in doing so, he found his destiny. And Jesus is inviting you to serve. And he's giving you an opportunity this morning to say yes. Now let me tell you something. Usually I'll do an altar call right here. But before I do that, I'm going to give you some instructions. You know, in your, in your bulletins, a little yellow paper, it says, Dream Team Opportunities. This is a list of all the ministries that we have in our church.